If you're new around here, welcome. It is great to have you here. We typically preach through books of the Bible, uh, but we're going to take a break for a while and hit a topic that I think is so incredibly vital for our church to be effective in doing what God has called us to do in this community. And before I, I roll into the topic, I just want to say real quick, um, as we grow during this season, and we've been growing, um, there's a couple things you could do that would help us continue to make room, plenty of room for newcomers. One of those would be, if you haven't tried out Saturday night service yet, we'd love to have you try out Saturday night service, identical service at 6 p.m. And most people try it once, and they're like, wow, this is kind of cool. We kind of like this. So you could do that. Second thing, park far and sit close, Okay. Park far, sit close. So if you could do those things, that would really help us as we continue to reach new people in our community. You know, a few summers ago, I preached through the book of Colossians. It took us 10 weeks. And it was interesting. On the very last week, there was this little verse that just popped out at me. And the book of Colossians, for those of you who may not know, is written by the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionary church planters of all time, probably the greatest, right? And uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to this little church in Colossae, and it's an amazing letter full of rich theology about the person of Jesus, God in the flesh. But right at the end, it's interesting, he's wrapping up the letter. If you've ever written a letter, you know, you, you typically get to your stuff and then you do some pleasantries at the end. And that's exactly what Paul is doing. He's greeting random people and just sort of saying hi to people. Hey, I want you to make sure these people hear this letter. And right in the middle of that, he gets to this interesting little verse. And I, I want to pick it up um, in verse 12 of Colossians. And I'm just going to read through some of these pleasantries that, that he's getting to at the end. And then I want to just highlight this little verse that stuck out at me. It says this, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, our, our dear friend Luke, give uh, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha in the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So he's wrapping up the letter. Just like lots of names, lots of random things, right? But what struck me was this little verse right in the end. See to it. See to it. Tell Archippus this. How would you like to be Archippus? You're, somebody would be reading this letter like in front of the whole church assembly, you know, this probably smaller church meeting in a large home, and all of a sudden, like, you get called out by name. Tell Joe to do this. See to it. See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I thought that was so powerful that the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter, as he's writing scripture, he thinks it's so important that he reminds this guy, Archippus, who we don't know who he was or what he did, but he reminds him, God has entrusted you with something that he's called you to do. Do it. Don't miss out on doing what he's called you to do. 
And man, this scripture just struck me as I preached through, as we came to the end of this little, um, little book. And it actually struck me so much that I, I put it in as a, as a reminder on, on my phone. So every 90 days, I set this little scripture to pop up. And it's been interesting over the past few years as this thing has popped up in seasons of, you know, just discouraging times and just different times. And I'm reminded, yes, Lord, you've given me something very important that you want me to do. See to it that you do it. See to it that you do it. You know, in case you haven't noticed, life goes quickly, doesn't it? Anybody notice that? I've noticed that. And if, if you don't feel like that, you know, if you're in your teens or 20s in the room, you're like, are you kidding? Uh, just trust me on this. Trust some of the other people around. You're going to, like, blink, snap your fingers, and you're going to be celebrating your 20-year high school reunion. What? How did that happen? I'm serious. You don't believe me. They're shaking their heads. Nah. Trust me. You have babies right now. It feels like the diaper phase is never going to end. You're going to blink, and your kids are going to be going into middle school. That happened to me, and it was the weirdest thing. My kid went into the middle school youth group. How did that happen? And you know, um, I don't think I'm that old. Some of you may disagree. I don't think I'm that old. But uh, I, I talked to some folks that are a little bit older, that have lived, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years longer than I have. And guess what? Every one of them says it just keeps, seems, it just seems like it goes faster. Like it doesn't slow down. Life grows quickly, doesn't it? It grows quickly. And there will be a day, we're told in the scripture, that we will stand before our maker. And all the things that seemed so important, all the things that you were so fixated on, you know, the new shiny toy, the bigger thing, the next level of success, all, all, all that, those aren't wrong things those things will seem much less important in that day when you stand in front of your maker than they do today. I guarantee it. And in that moment, whether or not I accomplished what God placed me on this earth for in this moment in history, in my unique family, in my place of work, it's going to bear much more weight than so many of the things we're fixated on today. You see, as I read this verse to you, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Some of you are like, yeah, you do that, Pastor Tim. That's a good one for you. Remember that. Good thing I'm not in ministry. I won't make you raise your hands or admit it, but you're thinking that out there, some of you right now. You're like, whew, I'm just little old me. What about you? What is God calling you to see to it that you complete? Who is God calling you to, to see to it that you minister to? Let me read you a little verse that informs a lot of what we do around here. This verse is Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Here's what it says, in case you're, you're the one out there thinking, whew, I'm glad I'm not in ministry. That's you, Pastor, with the mic up there. Here's what it says. And he, talking about Jesus, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Pastors, teachers, the, the different um, offices that we would think of, you know, full-time ministry kind of people. For what? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up 
of the body of Christ. Everybody say, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Now, again, some of you are like, whew, I'm not dead. I'm not a saint. Got some bad news for you? Actually, it's good news. The word saint literally just means those who have been set apart, those who have been called, those who have been set apart for a unique mission and a unique purpose, the set apart ones. And God, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has set you apart for something. He has a ministry he wants you to complete. What are you set apart for? What are we to do? Our job up here, if we're doing it right, is to equip you for the work that God's calling you to do in this world. To equip you for the work that God has called you to do. To reach the people that God has called you to reach. There's a big fancy theological term for this verse. It's called the priesthood of all believers. The way we express it around here is a little phrase. It's not just pastors. There's not just pastors. The, the work of the ministry, you are called every bit as much as I am to reach out to those in the community to be in ministry. In fact, I have a little soapbox. If I had a, a box, I'd climb up on it, but I don't. Um, one of my soapboxes is the phrase full-time ministry. Not because it's, you know, I mean, some of us, we do this for our job and, and we get paid to do this. Thank, I'm thankful for that. That's a privilege. However, what the phrase communicates is I'm in full-time ministry and you're not. And so how, what that does is you're like, well, I'm off the hook. Guess what? There are no part-time Christians. This is a full-time gig. You may have not known that when you signed up, and I'm telling you now. You are in ministry. God has called you. Your life is set apart for a purpose. And our job as pastors and teachers is to help you get there, not just pastors. We have a common ministry, you and me, and everyone who follows Jesus. We are called to some things, some, some common ministry things. There's some things that God has set us apart for. And this is kind of basic uh, faith 101, Christianity 101. Most of you, if you grew up in church, you, you kind of know this stuff we're going to get to here. But I just want to take a minute and remind you of some of the things that we're all called in common to do. There's two big things. One is the great commandment. And the other one is the great commission. The great commandment and the great commission. In Matthew, the book of Matthew, uh, the, the apostle, disciple Matthew's eyewitness account of Jesus' life. Here's what he writes. He says, some guy came up to Jesus, and they're grilling Jesus, trying to trap him, asking him lots of questions. And one of them asked him this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So when they talk about the law, it's the first five books of the Bible, right? When they talk about the law and the prophets, basically what they're talking about is the whole Old Testament in, in your Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, you know this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus says, if you want to understand what this whole section a lot of it. That whole section, the big one, that whole section of your Bible is all about, we can boil it down like this. 
Love God with everything in you, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love God and love, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. And ultimately, that's what we're called to do. One of the ways that that works itself out and one of the ways that uh, really loving God and loving others works itself out in our lives is we live our lives for God's glory. Jesus says this a little earlier in the book of Matthew in, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, you know you, and you're like, well, I don't know. You are. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's going to look at you and say, you and you and you and you and you and you and you. I could keep going. Do you get the point yet? And you. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so part of living out the great commandment is living a lifestyle that brings glory to God. How do you do that? Well, when you really love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you really are living a life that's loving your neighbor as yourself, it's going to bring glory to God. So as you keep the great commandment, love God, love others, and the Holy Spirit, who if you've put your faith and trust in God, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and the Holy Spirit gives you the ability and the uh, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things that when, when the Holy Spirit begins to naturally bring that stuff to life in your light as you walk with him, as you listen to him, as you cooperate with what God wants to do in your life, you're going to love others and you're going to love God. And that's going to work itself out in a powerful way in your life. It's going to be magnetic. It's going to be attractive. Even to people as they look around, the, the goal is, as, as people look around at followers of Jesus, they may not understand what we believe. They may be like, I don't know about what those crazy people believe over there. But man, what amazing people they are. If I could hire all Christians in my company, I would love to do that. They're so honest. They work so hard. They bring their best. If I could have my daughter marry one, that'd be great because those guys treat their wives awesome, amazing. They love their kids. Living a lifestyle that brings glory to God. So there's the great commandment, and then there's the great commission. And that's this. After Jesus' death and after his resurrection, which we just celebrated so beautifully in, in communion, the Lord's Supper, Jesus gathers his disciples together. And he gives them and he gives us the mission. The reason why he's left you on the planet once you met him, once you received salvation from him, you realize you weren't just left to do nothing. He left you with a mission. You've been set apart. You've been called. Here it is. Jesus came up to them and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. How's that going to get done? Don't worry. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to be with you. But you are on task. You are on mission. And your mission as a follower of God, assuming you're keeping the great commandment, because you love others, it's going to lead you to obeying this. Because you love God, it's going to lead you to obeying that, this. And that is that your life would contribute towards influencing other people to be followers of Jesus. That as you grow and this big church word, sanctification, the Holy Spirit um, continues to transform your life into a, a better follower of Jesus, into a closer follower of Jesus, into a representation of the life that Jesus would have you to live. It's going to be magnetic. And as you do that, you're going to be intentional about influencing others to become followers of Jesus. That's the great commission and the great commandment. That you're called, I'm called. Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There, there's two aspects to this. One of these is this little word go, like in, in Matthew 28. Go, therefore. Um, as you look at the Greek, there's the connotation not just of this is a positive command that you, you go to the other side of the world, but the real connotation is as you go. So the assumption is as you go about your day-to-day -day life, as you go about whatever you're doing, as you go, that on your mind, on your heart, intentionally would be, how can I influence others to become followers of Jesus? And whatever I'm doing, how can I influence others to follow Jesus, to give their lives to Jesus, to receive the amazing life that Jesus, Jesus offers? How can I share the best news in the history of the world? How can my life be part of that? Go into all the world and preach the gospel that your lives would preach the gospel, that you would influence others to become followers of Jesus. So if you want to boil it down really simple to the ministry we've all been given, you have a unique ministry. You have a unique situation God has called you to and placed you in. But if you want to get to something we've all, as followers of Jesus, been given, it's this. We're called to love God and love others and share Jesus and influence others to move closer to him. A lifestyle that loves God and loves others and a lifestyle that influences other people to meet Jesus, to have relationship with him. So let me ask you, how does that play out into the ministry that God is calling you to right now? God says, you know, what are you called to complete? We'll go back to that Ephesians 4. As we stand up here and, and Lord willing, um, do the job God's called us to do, which is to inspire you and equip you to get to the things that God has placed on your heart when it comes to reaching your world. He gave some to be evangelists, pastors, teachers, right, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. When you see the word ministry, instead of thinking Ministry, point at the pastor. Ministry, oh, I know some missionaries. They're awesome. They live in Africa. That's great. If God calls you to Africa, go to Africa by all means. Some of you God will call overseas. We have great friends that God has called to, to Thailand, Myanmar, and they've, they've accomplished amazing things over there. Some of, some of you know them, the wards. Great ministry called Outpour that's happening there right now. 
Some of you, God will call to the nations. In fact, I want to get every one of you on a missions trip at some point, both for you, because it does something in your heart, and for those that we're called to reach. So some of you will go to the nations. We have a phrase around here, across the street, across the world. We want you to be involved in reaching the nations. And as you give here, as you support, uh, man, you're part of the things that are happening around the world, the, the church plants in Myanmar and different things like that, right? You're part of that, even though you don't know those people. But what, I, what I'm most concerned about right now in this season for you is that you would walk across the street. That you would look up at where God has placed you at this moment in your life and you would ask, what's my ministry? Think of ministry in this way, your area of service or responsibility. Who has called, God called you to be responsible for loving and serving in this season of your life? What's your area of, of service and responsibility? What's your place of influence? God's placed you in a place of influence where you have influence on others. And I think the primary place where you have influence is, is what we're calling this sermon series, My Circle. My Circle. What is your circle? Well, it's your immediate family. Um, your greatest ministry, this is something to remember, your greatest ministry is your family. Your most vital ministry is your family. So it's your immediate family, but it's, it's your friends. Yeah, including that one friend that quit church about five years ago because somebody was a jerk. They haven't been back. Friends that you hang out with and, and you've known for like 20 years and you, you see them three, four times a year. You're actually pretty good friends. Your coworkers. That, those people, you spend so much time with them and around them. You rub shoulders with them almost every day, right? You're, you're, you're communicating with them. You're talking. That's your circle. That's your circle. People you go to school with, you're in the study group with. The mom's at the park, and you guys kind of hang out together and let the kids play. Who's your circle? You know who your circle is. My circle. Guys you play golf with. I don't play golf. I should. I'm not a very good pastor that way. And I did ride mountain bikes, but I'm not so sure if that was a good idea after my accident last year. Working up the courage to get back out there, get on the horse. Who's your circle? God's placed you. And last year, our pastoral team met. And um, as we had been finishing this build out and really beginning to pray about, Lord, what's the next step? Where do you want to take our church now that we have all this extra space and this room and this beautiful children's wing what do you want us to accomplish? Because it's not just for us to hang out together and enjoy being with each other, although that's a beautiful part of church is fellowship with each other, worshiping God. There's something about being in the fellowship of believers that um, online just doesn't replace, right? No offense to you online people. We look forward to seeing you when you're ready to come back. But there's something, I mean, it's like, have you ever watched The Fireplace on Netflix? Yeah, it kind of looks like a fireplace, but it's not very warm, is it? Unless you have an old TV like mine, you're like, whoa, that baby's warm. <laughs> Feel the heat. But as we are praying through like the ministry that God's calling us to, 
we began to look around and see so many amazing stories in our church of what God was doing. We have a family that um, uh, she's in childcare, and they just love the people that God's brought into their life. And they pray with them, and they pray for them. For years, they prayed for them. And God's been using them to bring lots of people. Uh, we had a, had a man that in his job, he's filling up the whole front row over here from his place of work. Just people he's, he's seen as his responsibility. Guy you watch the video on, he just felt compelled. God told me, and I can't ignore it. That's the way it happens a lot, isn't it? Like God's just whispering in your, hey, you need to do this. And you're like, I don't really want to do that. Nah, that feels awkward. That feels uncomfortable. Finally, he's like, okay, I'll do it, God. And God's been using him to reach a whole bunch of guys and to minister to a whole bunch of guys in the police department. And that's an awesome thing. He was, he's like, I'm not qualified, and I've never done this before. It's just being obedient. It's, it's saying, looking around and saying, man, what's my circle? And so as we began to look at these incredible examples, we came up with a simple phrase that I think is catchy, that you can remember, that you can take to heart. And you've been hearing it all over on these videos and everything. That phrase is this, my circle, my responsibility. Would you all say that with me? My circle, my responsibility. And here's the heart of this idea, and really the goal of, of this series we're going to do for the next couple of weeks, is that you would become more intentional about sharing Jesus and influencing others to move closer to him. That you would understand it's my responsibility to love those that God's put into my life, to pray for those that God's put into my life, to share with those that God's put into my life, and to invite those into the, the church community that God has placed in my life. Love, pray, share, invite. That's the heart of this series. And not just that it would be an afterthought, but it would become something that you're intentional, very intentional about. I'm going to love those in my life. And you know, loving people in your life means caring about them, and it means caring about them enough to help them meet Jesus. Now, this is not new news to you if you grew up in church. You've heard love God, love others a time or two. You know on some level, yeah, I'm supposed to share my faith. But let me just ask you, why is it that, that there isn't a heavier weight that you don't think of your circle as your responsibility. That you kind of have this idea in your Christian faith, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love others and, and, and pray. And I, 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 try to, I, I love people in my life. But you don't feel any weight or burden that these people in your life that God's placed in your circle of influence are truly your responsibility to reach for Jesus. Remember that old that song, I want to be his hands, I want to be his feet. I'll go where you want me, Lord. We are, it talks about the body of Christ, and part of that is this idea that we are the representation of Jesus. We take Jesus into this world. It's our responsibility. It's not just sort of an optional thing. Love God, love others. Great commission, great commandment. Those are great little options. It's not like the varsity. I'm just a JV player. I, lo I, I love my friends, but I don't really influence others for Jesus. That's the varsity leagues. I'm not the varsity player guy. No. Something we're all called to do. We are all called to love others and influence others to become followers of Jesus. And if you really believe the Bible, 
I think you need to wrestle with that. That love that never gets around to moving people closer to Jesus isn't very loving. There's something in our culture that uh, became popular, um, and it's a term called friendship evangelism. And most of us are really comfortable with that. It's a good thing, but here's the problem. Friendship evangelism is I'm just going to be really good friends and love those in my life, and and through that whole process, I'm going to lead people towards Jesus. And that's a great thing. That's a great strategy. Um, And and let me just say, as you love people, you got to really love them and care about them. Hopefully, that's the motivation behind all this, right? Otherwise, people are just projects. Who likes to be a project? No, nobody. But if you love someone, you're going to share with them the greatest news in the history of the world. And and the problem with friendship evangelism sometimes is it's like I'm nice to people and they know I go to church, but somehow you never get around to influencing those in your life for Jesus. Jesus just never ends up coming up. You have some good times at the lake. You have some good friends, but Jesus just isn't even part of the conversation. You know, St. Francis of Assisi, we, we love this. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach the gospel always when necessary, use words. It's a, it's a good statement. What it means is live your life for Jesus in such a way that you shine his light, that everybody can see it without you even having to open your mouth. But guess what? It still is necessary. When necessary, use words. Most of us are like, I'm all over that one. And it never seems like it's necessary for me to use words. Right? Let me just say, people who never bring Jesus into the conversation in their circle of influence will not be effective in influencing people toward Jesus. It's just the truth. Romans 10, Paul says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news, isn't it? It is good news. You can have peace with God, not by earning it, but simply through the gift of grace, by trusting in him. That's the best news in the history of the world. But here's, here's what he goes on to say. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, there's a responsibility we have to bring Jesus into the conversation. And as we go through the next couple of weeks, let me just say, don't miss. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I think this is such a vital topic for our church. What I'm asking you to do is if you've got to be gone and, you know, up skiing or whatever, okay. Don't do it every week. But if, if you've got to be gone, be sure to catch up on this series. All three weeks. We may extend it to a fourth and go into some uh, interesting questions and things that people have and some because we want to give you some real simple tools that can make this influencing others for Jesus not feel so incredibly awkward. And an incredibly powerful and simple tool when it comes to just praying for others and seeing Jesus move in their life, okay? That's what we want to do over the next. So will you agree to that? If you miss, catch up. Don't miss, but if you have to, catch up, okay? Here's the thing you need to realize. You may be your coworker's only Jesus friend. especially for some of you younger people in the room that are in high school and college right now. 
You know, some of your, some of your friends just don't even have a concept of who Jesus is. A lot of them. Because they, they, they don't have a, parents or grandparents that ever grew up going to church. So, yeah, they know of a Jesus. But they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the gospel. They don't know the greatest news in the history of the world. And some of you, and you, some of you know this. You may be your coworkers, your friends, only Jesus friend. The only connection point between them and Jesus. Now, and let me just ask, I believe you really love the people God's placed in your life. I believe that. I know so many of you. You're amazing people. You love God. You do love others. Let me just ask, have you really come to terms in your heart with the fact that people you love may not experience eternal life with Jesus? It's a heavy thought, but if you read the words of Jesus, something he makes abundantly clear is there is a reality of heaven and hell. And something he makes abundantly clear is he says, there is no other way to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our favorite verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Awesome, awesome verse. He goes on to say, the son, Jesus, wasn't sent into the world to condemn the world. And then verse 2 later than John 3.16, it says, but those who have not believed in Jesus are already condemned. you got to wrestle with Jesus' words. I'm not saying it. He's saying it. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. And if you really love the people in your life, man, you're going to pray for them, that somehow Jesus would encounter them, that, that somehow Jesus would move them towards himself, that, that they would meet Jesus, that, that you would get to spend eternity with them. Because we have this thing in our culture, and it, it, it's worth talking about because I think so many of us have adopted this sort of way of thinking. You don't believe it in your head, but it's sort of become a cultural thing that you just sort of agree with, and that is salvation by death. You ever been to a funeral? Everybody's in a better place. Now, I'm a pastor. I've been to a lot of funerals, right? But let me just say, this is a cultural thing, and it's something we say to make people feel better. And, and I, I believe anybody and everybody, the Lord can encounter them at the very last minute. I got to lead my grandpa to, to Jesus like a week before he died. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I believe anybody. I, I've heard stories of Jesus appearing to People, especially this is happening in Muslim countries, in dreams and visions saying, come follow me. I believe that somebody can meet Jesus at any moment. The thief on the cross, that's what that tells us, right? So I would never presume to know where somebody is going to spend eternity. That's between them and God. But what we do know is we've been given the responsibility to share Jesus with them and be part of that process. It's a responsibility. And if you have that kind of idea you've just sort of adopted because that's the cultural, popular thing, is they're all in a better place. Go read the words of Jesus. you got to wrestle with it. 
You know, this was so important to so many people. Saints of old, not, not even saints of old, all throughout the history of the church, the message of the gospel that we can have salvation in Jesus, eternal life in Jesus, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People have taken that scripture to heart and they have left their comforts. They have left their families in many occasions. They've, they've taken this message across the continent. That's why you and I are here worshiping Jesus today. Because saints of old thought it was that important to share this news. They've given up comfort. They've given up their livelihoods. They crossed continents, sailed on crazy ships, went through stuff we can hardly imagine. There are people who gave their lives, literally burnt at the stake, so you could have the scriptures, the word of God, in a language that you can read and understand. And yet for so many of us, our big deal is it just feels awkward. It's just a little awkward to bring Jesus into the conversation. It's awkward. I've done a little poll, a little survey, and I, I'm, we're batting like 100% at this point. I've got to tell you, awkward never killed anybody. Feeling awkward never killed anybody. I know you're scared of it. I know you were thinking it was like a 50-50 chance. Feeling awkward never killed anybody. See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. What's the ministry you have received? And here's why I want you to get this. Here's why I want you to really embrace this when it comes to your life, that, that you would be intentional about loving those that God has placed in your circle and sharing Jesus, influencing people towards Jesus, not in weird, crazy ways. We've all seen that, and that just pushes people off, but in ways that genuinely care about people. And we're going to help you with some of that over the next couple of weeks. It, I, I think you're here for a purpose and not by accident each and every one of you that's here today. I, I think God has a mission for you. He has a ministry for you. He has something for you to accomplish in this world. I, I know that life is for you, but it's not about you. We say that all the time here. Church is for you. It's not about you. The goal for your and my life is that we would have an impact for God's kingdom and we would reach our circle of influence. You know, when we stand in front of our maker, our savior, I don't report for you. Did you know that? You don't get to be like, hey, talk to Pastor Tim. No, we all stand in front of our savior. We're accountable for what he's given us, for the things he's entrusted to us individually. See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. What is that ministry? What's he calling you to? And, and my pray, prayer for you is this. If through this series, for so many of you, you just, can I just say, for some of you, the reason you're not more excited about your faith is you haven't shared it in ages. One of my vivid memories from being a seven-year-old, I think I was six or seven, we were out in Southern California, was leading somebody to Jesus on the playground. And I remember, I'm like, 
What happened to that, Tim? What happened to the fire in my heart? Some random stranger. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, speaking's not easy, but this is kind of a friendly crowd. In fact, when it comes to the ministry God's called you, you know you are much more equipped to reach people in your circle than I am. Think about it. The pastors and teachers and church staff here, who do we hang out with? You. And people that love Jesus already and know him. It's kind of the gig. I have to be very intentional just to have anyone in my life who doesn't think the way I do. It takes a lot of intentionality, right? But let me just say, so many of you, and if you don't have anyone in your circle who doesn't know Jesus, <laughs> maybe start expanding your circle. But God has placed most of you already in places where there's so many people just waiting to hear and experience the love of God and experience Jesus through you. And my prayer for you through this series is if I can just get you from zero to one, that would be a win. If I could get you just to start being intentional about influencing people for Jesus, that's a win. I think that would go on to change our community. I really do. And I think the ripples would change our world. And it's not just like some pastor speak. I really believe that. That if we all really embraced my circle, my responsibility, and we started praying for all the people in our lives that God's placed in our lives, guess what? You start praying for people, you're going to start having your eyes open, and you're going to start being responsive to the Holy Spirit when he taps you on the shoulder and say, now would be a good time just to mention Jesus. Now would be a good time to ask that person if I can pray for them. And as God, as you begin to pray, you're going to see God moving around you. And guess what? You're going to get lit up. Lit. For the younger people. In a good way, right? For Jesus. Because nothing, nothing inspires passion in your heart like sharing. Seeing God encounter other people. Seeing, like when we do baptism, seeing some of your friends getting baptized. If I can just get you from zero to one, if we can just get you to embrace this, to begin intentionally thinking this way in your life, it would be so powerful. My circle, my responsibility. Would you stand? Before we close in prayer, I, I just want to say, some of you here, maybe in the room, some of you joining us online here today, you're here today because someone loved you enough to pray for you and then share Jesus with you and invite you at some point. They really loved you, and, and, and you know that. You know you're not just like a project. They love you. They want you to know the greatest news in the history of the world. And let me just, I just want to share the gospel with you briefly and give you an opportunity to respond, and that's this. God loves you. He really loves you, and he wants you to experience eternal life and life as it's meant to be lived now. I believe living Jesus' way is the greatest way to live. That, that for those that have experienced the joy of really living Jesus' way, it's the greatest way to live. You have the most peace. You have the most fulfillment. Even in the midst of trials, it's not always easy. But it's the greatest way to live. God loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The problem is that people are sinful and separated from God because God is a holy God. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. 
You know your heart. You know the things you struggle with in thought or actually doing. You know no one had to teach you to be selfish, came natural. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. But the good news, though sin separates us from God, the good news, the greatest news in the world is that God sent his son. He came down, God in the flesh, God the son. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. He died in our place so that we could have relationship with God. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Jesus came and took it on himself. And the great news is that God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. But it didn't end on the cross. He rose again, and he lives. And we can have life in him. And Jesus said, I am the only way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's the greatest news in the history of the world. And what he calls us to do is to embrace that, to A, admit that we're a sinner and we can't make it to God on our own, to ask him for his life and his forgiveness, to repent. That literally means change directions. God, I've been walking away from you. I want to turn and walk towards you. I want to live my life for you. And so if you want to embrace that here today, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you in the room or joining us online, I want to invite you to respond. You can pray a simple prayer like this. The words aren't important. It's the heart. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I can't earn what you've done for me, but I embrace, I put my faith and trust in you. I believe you're the son of God, that you died and rose again. Forgive me, welcome me into your family, Lord. Give me eternal life. I want to turn from my sin and live my life for you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for all my other friends, I just want to ask that in this moment, that you would impress on them the weight of this calling you've placed on their lives. To really love God, to love you. And that that would be demonstrated by really loving those in their lives that you've placed in their circle. And that they would become very intentional about how do I influence others towards Jesus? How do I share the greatest news in the history of the world? Lord, as they do that this week, I pray that you would bring incredible circumstances and God moments and divine appointments into their life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.